0: We turn this evening to the Old Testament, the book of 1 Kings, and we will be in chapter 16, 1 Kings chapter 16, as we consider together a man by the name of Amri, 1 Kings chapter 16. And we'll be reading verses 1 through 29 this evening. 1 through 29. Let us hear this breathed out word of God to us today as well. And The word of the Lord came to Jehu, the son of Hanai, against Baasha, saying, Since I exalted you out of the dust and made you leader over my people Israel, you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel to sin, provoking me to anger with their sins. Behold, I will utterly sweep away Baasha and his house, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Anyone belonging to Baasha who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat, and anyone who dies in the field, the birds of the heavens shall eat. Now the rest of the acts of Basha and what he did and his might, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Basha slept with his fathers and was buried in Tirzah. And Elah, his son, reigned in his place. Moreover, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Jehu, the son of Hanai, against Basha and his house, both because of all the evil that he did in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger, with the work of his hands, in being like the house of Jeroboam, and also because he destroyed it. In the twenty-sixth year of Asa, king of Judah, Elah, the son of Basha, began to reign over Israel in Terza, And he reigned two years. But his servant Zimri, commander of half his chariots, conspired against him when he was at Terza, drinking himself drunk in the house of Arza, who was over the household in Terza. Zimri came in and struck him down and killed him in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. When he began to re- reign, as soon as he had seated himself on his throne, he struck down all the house of Baisha. He did not leave him a single male of his relatives or his friends. Thus Zimri destroyed all the house of Basha, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke against Basha by Jehu the prophet. For all the sins of Basha and the sins of Elah, his sons, his son, which they sinned, in which they made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Elah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? In the twenty-seventh year of Asa, king of Judah, Zimri reigned seven days in Tirzah. Now the troops were in camps, encamped against Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. And the troops who were encamped heard it said, "Zimri has conspired, and he has killed the king." Therefore, all Israel made. Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel that day in the camp. So Omri went up from Gibbethon, and all Israel with him, and they besieged Tirzah. And when Zimri saw that the city was taken, he went into the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house over him with fire and died because of his sins that he committed, doing evil in the sight of the Lord, walking in the way of Jeroboam for his sin which he committed, making Israel to sin. Now the rest of the acts of Zimri and the conspiracy that he made, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Then the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of the people followed Tibni, the son of Gennath, to make him king, and half followed Omri. But the people who followed Omri overcame the people who followed Tibnah the son of Ganeth. So Tibni died and Omri became king. In the 31st year of Asa, king of Judah, Omri began to reign over Israel and he reigned for 12 years. Six years he reigned in Terza. He bought the hill of Samaria for, from Shemer for two talents of silver and he fortified the hill and called the name of the city that he built Samaria after the name of Shemer, the owner of the hill. Omri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did more evil than all that were before him. For he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in the sins that he made Israel sin, provoking the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger by their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Omri that he did, and the might that he showed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? And Omri slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria, and Ahab, his son, reigned in his place. In the 38th year of Asa king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. Father, as we have read... Your infallible truth in this, Father, historical passage detailing the decline of the nation of Israel. We pray, Father, that we will hear you speak to us through this word this evening as well. Even as this word came to your people of old, may it come, Father, afresh our own hearts, to our own minds, and may this passage, Lord, that is filled with such violence and the wrong use of power be that which, Father, encourages us and comforts us in the day and age in which we live. In Christ's name and for Christ's glory, we pray, and God's people say, Amen. I want to look at four things regarding Amari this evening. First of all, his rise to power. Secondly, his abuse of power. Thirdly, his legacy of power. And finally, his judgment. When you read of the life of Amri, indeed when I read as much as I have in this passage of 1 Kings chapter 16, it is read in the context of Asa, is it not? Asa's name is probably mentioned more than anybody else's name. And And it always is referencing how many years Asa is into his reign. We have it mentioned in verse 8, verse 15, verse 23, and verse 29. In total, Asa, who is the king of Judah, is going to reign 41 years. Meanwhile, over here in the nation of Israel, we're just running through leader after leader after leader. What is the context? Well, go back one chapter. Go back to the chapter 15. Go down to verse 9. And just listen to the, about the reign of Asa as compared now to that which we've read in 1 Kings 16 and that we'll look at more specifically in regards to, to Amri. Listen to the word of the Lord in regards to Asa. In the 20th year of Jeroboam king of Israel, Asa began to reign over Judah. And he reigned 41 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Makkah, the daughter of Abishalom. And Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. As David, his father, had done, he put away the male cult prostitutes out of the land and removed all the idols that his fathers had made. He also removed Macha, his mother, from being queen mother because she had made an abominable image for Asherah. And Asa cut down her image and burned it at the brook Kidron. But the high places were not taken away. Nevertheless, The heart of Asa was wholly true to the Lord all his days. And he brought into the house of the Lord the sacred gifts of his father and his own sacred gifts, silver and gold and vessels. That's the king who's reigning in Judah for 41 years. A man who does that which is right, so right that even when it came to his own mother, he says, out of here, out of here. You're a wicked woman, you're about wickedness, you're not going to have an influence upon my life. You are removed from your position. In contrast, we have this mess going on in Israel. So first of all, let's look at from chapter 16, Amri's rise to power. Who is he? What is his position? Well, we are told in verse 16 that his position is that he is the commander of the army. So Amri's position prior to being king is being commander of the army. But that gets a little tricky. Because... The guy who is king, as we're reading there, is a man by the name of Zimri, but he's only been around seven days. What it means then is that Amri is the commander of the army from the previous king. And that fellow's name is Elah. Only reigns two short years. Elah has sent Amri on a mission. And the mission is, go to the city of Gibethon and lay siege against it. It's a Philistine town. Let's take it. This is what the Lord has given to us, as it were. Let's take it. So, Omri is off laying siege on this city, attacking this Philistine city for Elah. Zimri conspires against Elah. Now notice that Zimri is the guy who is in charge of the chariots. So he, you're not going to use chariots in a siege of a city. So he uses the opportunity with the army gone, with the commander gone, for a coup. And he kills Elah. And he kills all of the house of Elah's father, who was Basha. Now, that is according to the word of the Lord through Jehu the prophet. This is God's judgment upon Basha, including the death of his son Elah. Now, how does Amri, who is the commander of the army, way over there in some Philistine territory, how does he end up being king? Well, the passage tells us. Right? Look at verse 16. So he kills Elah, does Zimri, and the troops who were encamped heard it and said, Zimri has conspired and he has killed the king. Therefore, all Israel made him king. In other words, the army. The military made him king. Said, you're in charge. You're, you're, you're. It's not a physical descendant because Elah doesn't have any of those because Zimri killed them. But in their minds, who is the rightful king to take over? If you have some guy who conspires to take away your king, Who really should be the rightful king? They decide it ought to be the commander, Amri. Amri now takes the army and goes to where Zimri is. Now, the full intent is to kill the guy. The full intent of the army and of Amri is to bring down Zimri. And Zimri knows it. He sees the army coming. Holes up in the palace, starts the palace on fire, and in effect commits suicide because he is killed in the fire. So, mission accomplished. We got Zimri out of the way. Now, Omri can be king. No, there's, there's a little bit of a problem because there's another guy, verse 21. Then the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of the people followed Tibni, the son of Ganeth, to make him king, and half followed Amri. Now, why they're following this, this Tibni guy, Scripture doesn't go into a lot of detail. One might think, maybe half the people are like, you know... There's just an awful lot of murdering and conspiring, and Omri now gets Zimri. I don't know. I think we need to go in a whole new direction. I think we need a whole new breath of fresh air. On the other hand, maybe Tivna is also at work conspiring in all of this. We just don't know. But we have a divided nation. That's the point. And it's divided. It's going to last. If the numbers are going to work out mathematically with the amount of his reign and so on, this little civil war is no little civil war because it lasts for four years. And when I was, when I was working on this, I couldn't help but think back. Remember that election we had, the hanging Chad election? All right. and, and everybody's on pins and needles for a couple of months as it try, we try to decide who's president, based upon hanging chads. Imagine what it would be like for four years to have that kind of divisiveness of not knowing. Half are saying this guy's the king, half are saying this guy's the king. It's not a good time. It's also rather interesting, isn't it? That what scripture tells us is that Amri's side prevails over the other. And then there's this just this little line. And Thibna died. It's like scripture saying, hmm, isn't that interesting? The guy dies when Amri takes power. I wonder if there's more to his death than just, Yep, natural causes. Yeah, just like that. After the day after Amri takes over, look at that. He just keeled over and died. I think Scripture's telling us that there was something a little more subtle taking place here as well. And look at his coronation. This is it, right? And they made him king. They made him king. So, Tibni died, and Amri became king. Interesting how one's political opponents can just so easily fade away. See, the whole context of 1 Kings 16 is about power. But it's about the abuse of power. It's about how Jeroboam abused his power. It's about how Basha abused his power. It's about how Zimri abused his power. It's about how Omri abused his power. That's what... See, and on the other side, what do we have? We have Asa. Right? So you have all of this going on, Amorite's rise to power, all of this conspiracy. you got suicides, you've got slaughters, you've got executions, you've got civil war. Meanwhile, on the other side, you have a guy for 41 years reigning because he does that which is right in the eyes of the Lord. And follows the Lord wholeheartedly. What a contrast between two kingdoms. One led by power that is understood to be power that comes from the Lord. The other is an abusive power that seeks only one's own good. That seeks only the satisfaction of one's own heart. And has nothing to do with the Lord. Do you see the Lord in any of this? Other than the Lord makes a prophecy. It's going to be a mess. And it turns out to be a mess. Other than that, nobody's seeking the Lord. So let me give you three ways in which we see the abuse of power by Amri. One is this act. The first act that is recorded for us in the fact that he purchases, verse 24, the hill of Samaria from Shemer for two talents of silver. And he fortified the hill and called the name of the city that he built Samaria, after the name of Shemer, the owner of the hill. You say, well, why is that an abuse of power? Because Samaria is the rival capital. This is a thumbing his nose at God. See, the whole existence of the nation of Israel is based upon rebellion. They didn't want to live under one nation. And it's under the judgment of God. That this nation of Israel has now split into two camps. Judah and these ten tribes called Israel. And what Omri is doing is he's saying, look, we're going to establish this nation. We're going to establish it so much, I'm going to build a capital city. And I'm going to build it right Over the border. I'm going to build it as it were. Under Judah's eyes. Let's see what you can do. Let's see. Can you take me down? This this is a defiant act. On the part of Amrit. How do we know that? Because for the rest of the Old Testament. What we're going to hear is this. The sin of Samaria. The sin of Samaria. The sin of Samaria. The nation of Israel is going to become identified with this city. And the evil and the wickedness that comes out of this city. That's how the Old Testament is going to identify. Well, where did Samaria rise? Um, Amri. Why does he do so? It's an act of rebellion against the Lord. And and you remember what happens when, when we come to the book of Nehemiah? When the people of Israel have finally come back after their 70 years of captivity, I should say the people of Judah have come back from their 70 years of captivity in Babylon, and there they are, they're trying to rebuild, they're trying to get Jerusalem back together, they're trying to put up the walls, they're trying to build the temple. Who is it, who is it that is constantly interfering? Who is it that's constantly causing hassles? Oh, it's that group of people that live in the city of of Samaria, called Samaritans. And what does that picture give to us in the book of Nehemiah? But these are those who consort against the people of God. It is not, my friends, insignificant that Omri buys this field and makes Samaria his capital. It is an abuse. Of his power. Do you also catch in that what he isn't doing? What was he doing before all of this? He was battling Philistines. He was battling the enemies of God. What's he doing now? Establishing his own empire. Establishing his own kingdom. Not fighting the Lord battle. He's establishing himself. Secondly, he continued Jeroboam's sins. Verse 26. For he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in the sins that he made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger by their idols. Now what is it that Jeroboam did? You remember? Remember? What is this sin of Jeroboam? The sin of Jeroboam is this. He took, as it were, the entire Levitical law that pointed to Christ, and he replaces it with his own version. It's as if he takes out and rips out the book of Leviticus and says, no, 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 we're going to do it my way and inserts the book, as it were, of Jeroboam. Now, when you read the book of Jeroboam, it sounds a lot like, there there really isn't, but just follow me along with this, okay? Because some of you are going, where is that book of Jeroboam found? Okay, okay. Is that one of those books we don't read? No. There there is no book of Jeroboam. But what he does is he establishes, I'll be cautious, but he establishes by executive order his own religion. He takes out Leviticus, puts in Jeroboam. And when you read it, you go, this sounds like Leviticus. This sounds like the way the people of God are supposed to worship. Oh, yeah, but he's tweaked it. He's tweaked it. Yeah, rather than going, you see, to the temple in Jerusalem, I'm going to build you two golden calves, one up in Dan and the other in Bethel. You can just go there to worship. Oh, yeah, there's rules and restrictions about who can serve as priests, we'll just tweak those a little bit and we'll just kind of give it to the highest bidder. I don't really care if you're spiritual or not. That really doesn't matter to me. What really matters is are you going to do what I tell you to do? And so he he tweaks that. Oh, there's all sorts of festivals that get celebrated in Judah. Let's just tweak those and change those just enough that it kind of sounds like it but it really is, oh, how does the Lord identify this? They're idols. See, God doesn't call that compromise, ah, you're kind of close, not bad, good try. Good effort, Jeroboam. Way to go, You, you did the best with what you could. I understand your circumstances. No, he calls it idolatry. You changed my worship. You changed my law to satisfy your own thirst and power for authority and control. Now, what does it tell us about Amri? For he walked, verse 26, in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, And in the sins that he made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger by their idols. He just didn't walk in some of the way of Jeroboam. He dove in head first into the sin of Jeroboam. What is the sin of Jeroboam? The idolatry for one's own personal Power and control. But, there is another indication. You have to go back to verse 25. Amri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And he did more evil than all who were before him. More evil than all who were before him. See, that's why I read as much as I did out of 1 Kings 16. He did more evil than Zimri. Was Zimri a pretty evil guy conspiring against Elah? Was Zimri a pretty evil guy? Destroying his own life? Was Elah a pretty evil guy? Was Basha a pretty evil guy? Yeah, Amri was more evil than any one of them. He is the evil of evil. Up to this point, is he going to be the most evil? No, but up to this point, evil had never known evil like Amri knew it as king. He had been given a position of power and he Abused that power for his own purposes, for his own good. Not for the good of his people. Not for the benefit of the people of Israel. This is his own power, hunger at work. And what a legacy. Of power. What follows from him? Well, look at his son, verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab. Mm. Verse 30, and Ahab, the son of Amri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. What kind of legacy of power did Amri establish in Israel? Well, <laughs> Here's my offspring. My offspring is Ahab, and he's worse than I am. Kind of legacy? Go down to verse 31. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he, that is Ahab now, took for his, wa- his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians and went and served Baal and worshipped him he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal which he built in Samaria Hmm. a legacy of power not only his son but his daughter-in-law probably the most infamous woman in all of scripture Jezebel but it extends even further Go down to, uh, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. And you're going to go over to verses 51 through 53. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab. Well, if he's the son of Ahab, who is he in relationship to Amri? It's his grandson. So not only was his son evil, not only is his daughter in law evil, listen to what God says in regards to Amri's grandson. Ahaz, the son of Ahaziah the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat king of Judah and he reigned two years over Israel. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father, in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam the son of Nebat who made Israel to sin. He served Baal, worshipped him, provoked the Lord, the God of Israel to anger in every way that his father had done. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3, in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Ahab, if he's the son of Ahab, he is what? The grandson of Amri. Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel in Samaria, and he reigned 12 years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Though not like his father and mother, for he put away the pillar of Baal at his father. Nevertheless, he clung to the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He did not depart from it. More? Sure, we can go more. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 8. 2 Kings chapter 8. And we're going to go to verse 16. In the fifth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, when Jehoshaphat was king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, became king of Judah. He began to reign. He was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years. And he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, as the house of Ahab has done. For the daughter of Ahab was his wife. You see the legacy? Now it's crossed over into Judah. Why? Because this guy becomes the grandchild of Omri. Why? Because he marries the granddaughter of Omri. And what is he? He does that which is evil in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, and we're not done yet. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 8 verse 26. In the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Ataliah. Oh, note what we're told. She was the granddaughter of Amri, king of Israel. He also walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as the house of Ahab had done, for he was the son of... He was son-in-law to the house of Ahab. Do you remember what this woman did? She kills off the whole family in order that she might have power. She kills her own grandchildren so that she might have power. Oh, what a legacy. What a legacy this man had, this Omri, king of Israel. But there's more. Okay, go to 2 Kings chapter 8, 25 and 26. This guy in the 12th year of Joram, okay, so I told you about Ataliah. Ataliah has a son. Ataliah is the granddaughter. The son, Ahaziah, is a great-grandson. And what are we told about that great-grandson? Verse 27, he walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did what was evil. You talk about a generational abuse of power. A man called Amri. This is what scripture reveals. This is what scripture tells us about this man. God wanted us to know Amri. And he wanted us to know How a power can be so abused. And the devastating effects as a legacy for generations. Two nations affected by the evil of Amri. All of God's covenant people fall under this reign of terror from Amri, king of Israel. But that's not God's final word. Never is. We learn in the chapters that come about a man by the name of Jehu, a man who is anointed by Elisha to be the king of Israel. And Jehu becomes God's means God's instrument. God's appointed. Not self-appointed. God's appointed means of dealing with the house of Ahab, the house of Amri. And it is through Jehu that that entire family clan is executed. Well, they probably all thought they were secure. But God has his own timetable. Some of these kings, Amri, for example, reigns 12 years. Ahab reigns 22 years. Lengthy reigns. Yet God, as it were, gives his people over to these evil kings as his judgment upon them for their involvement. In these horrific sins. Turn with me to Psalm two. Psalm two. on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. There's God's perspective. In the midst of evil, abusive power, God laughs. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? To oppose me, to oppose my son. To oppose Jesus Christ. Who do you think you are? Isn't it good to have that perspective in life? We have a God who laughs? laughs. You make your plans, you have your plots. But I'm in control. For Those of you who followed Thursday morning Bible study, right? We meet in 2nd Thessalonians this man of lawlessness. <laughs> is Amri a man of lawlessness? Oh, yes. Is Ahab a man of lawlessness? Yes. Is Jezebel? Is Ataliah? Are all these? Yes. And yet we are told in that passage of 2nd Thessalonians that this man of lawlessness who will indeed have great power and will abuse his power, that he is destroyed by the mere appearance of Jesus Christ. My friends, many of those who rule over us Many, in fact maybe most, I think have our best interest at heart. I think they truly do. They have our best interest. They're they're in a predicament, and I think they do. But not all. Some have evil intent. But my friends, learn from Amri. God has his own means. Learn from Psalm 2. The Lord is in control. And if you think, oh, we're at the end of the age, oh, oh. The man of lawlessness is destroyed by the very appearance of Jesus Christ. This is no big struggle. This is no big fight. This is not some big conflict. God is in charge. God is in control. Put your hope. Put your trust in him. Understand. What God is doing. Understand the judgment of God. But also. Rejoice. In the mercy of God. Amen. Amen. Father, this was a bad man. This was an evil man. And we see the effects that this evil man had upon two nations for generations. Sad and yet you were in control you had appointed a man jehu by who would be the means by which judgment would come even as you have appointed your son to be the judge of all the earth we are not to, we, we can't look into the heart and mind of every person we we can't make those judgments The Lord Jesus Christ does. And He sees. He knows. And every act of wickedness will be called into an account. Not only for those who rule over us, but for us as well. Ah, what a blessing! That we could sing this morning. No condemnation. Why? Because of Christ. Because of Christ. By grace. We've been saved. Thank you. For loving us. In spite of our evil wicked hearts. Thank you for drawing us to Christ. And we pray that we might live lives of faithful gratitude in the midst of the world in which we live today as well. In Christ's name and for Christ's glory. and God's people say, Amen.